recall, I shared the scripture verse that Jesus said, humble yourself like a child, then you will become the greatest in the kingdom of God. Remember, the disciples were arguing and having this argument of who was the greatest. And so Jesus settles the argument. He says, become like this child, humble yourself like this child, and you will be the greatest in God's kingdom. I didn't talk very much about humility, but I wanted to open up this morning's message talking about humility. Now, I'm sure many of you have been to conferences, especially pre-pandemic. You were a part of conferences where you learned to be successful in your business or in life. I know I've been to those before in ministry of trying to educate myself and becoming a, a better pastor. And maybe you've done that before. I'm sure some of you know about different speakers. You've probably heard the name Tony Robbins. People will pay over $10,000 to go to his retreats to get better at their life skills, to succeed in life. Now, I'm not against those conferences at all, but I wanted to offer something to you that I think is cheaper and better. And that is this. If you will work at humility... If you will develop humility in your life, because it needs to be developed, it's not a natural, uh, it's not a natural production of our human nature. Our human nature doesn't naturally produce humility. That's why the Bible says uh, many times, "Humble yourselves before the Lord." It's an action. It's something that you have to do. You have to work at humility. And this world that we live in, they're not working at it. It's not something that people are thinking about. So I wanted to encourage you this morning, humble yourselves. Work at humility. And if you will work at humility, I believe with all of my heart that the blessings of God, the blessings that come from the Word of God, not my Word, but the blessings of this Word will be put into your life. That when you humble yourself, God will draw nearer to you. He will help you. He will encourage you. And I just wanted to begin by talking about, I love this quote about humility, I'm sure you've heard it before, it says, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but it is thinking about yourself less. I love that statement because, I, you know, I would put a premise to that, that humility is understanding who you are. The first step of humility is knowing who you are, and uh, that, that quote says, you don't think less of yourself. So when you know who you are in Christ, when you know what God has done for you, when you know that you have been fearfully and wonderfully made, when you understand that Jesus loved you so much that he died on the cross for you, and that He, that God Almighty sent his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life, when you understand who you are in Christ, that is the first step of humility. It's understanding who you are. It's saying to yourself, God, I, I don't have to think about myself because you are thinking about me. God, you're taking care of my needs. He is our shepherd. We, I love uh, Psalm 23 that says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I don't have to put myself first every day because God's already doing it. God's already putting your needs first. He's already taking care of you. He's already working up for you. 
He's not forgotten about you. He is not forsaking you. He is working out your life. He is a perfect shepherd. He knows what's coming your direction. He knows what's coming your way. And He's working for you. So you don't have to think about yourself. You can think about others. You can think about being a blessing to others because God is taking care of you. We know that we're a creation. We know that we were poor in spirit, but that through the poverty of Jesus, we have become rich. I'm a citizen of heaven. So step one of humility is being aware of who you are in Christ. And when we know who we are in Christ, we then can do things that God has asked us to do. For instance, the Word of God says that when you're struck on one cheek, that you're supposed to turn the other cheek to be struck. When somebody asks for your cloak, you're, you're supposed to give them your coat as well. These are just examples that God, Jesus was giving His disciples to help them to understand a very important principle. But when, but when we turn the other cheek, we do that not because we are weak. We do that because we are strong. Because I know who I am in Christ. I don't have to defend myself. I don't have to rise up and defend my life. God is my defense. He is my shepherd. So when Jesus was telling his disciples that you should turn the other cheek, he was doing that because he, he was revealing to them who they were. You are, my, you are my sheep. I am the good shepherd. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to watch over you. When somebody's yelling at you, when somebody's screaming, the Word of God says you can turn away wrath you can turn that away with a soft answer. And why are you able to do that? Why do we not uh, overcome evil with evil? Why don't we fight fire with fire? Why are we meek and mild when everybody else is yelling and screaming and we're calm and collective? It's because we know who we are. We know who, I know who I am in Christ. And I can live in peace. I can live in love. I can live in the mercy. We can live knowing that Jesus, Jesus humbled himself. He humbled himself and went to the cross. Think about this. I always think about how he was going to the cross and those words are always the ridicule that he received. As I process that, it's, it's always amazing to me that he was listening to them speak and, and they were saying, you saved others. Why don't you save yourself? And when he was on the cross, they said, come down from there and we will believe you. Wow, what a moment. What a moment because he had the power to come down. He could have come down from the cross. He could have silenced them. But he humbled himself because he knew who he was. And he knew he was the Lamb of God. He knew that he was the Lamb of God that was going to be slain, and because of his sacrifice, he was going to be, he was going to bring us salvation. The Bible says that for, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Because of the joy that you were going to receive, because of the, the salvation that you would receive because of his sacrifice, he died on the cross for our sins. So that's why we turn the other cheek. That's why we, we offer a soft answer when somebody's mad at us. You know, Tara was telling me just yesterday, she said, uh, she was stopping at a, 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 an intersection there where during the week you're supposed to stop and not turn on the red light, but on the weekend, 
you can move along. And she was just making sure. And so the person behind her was just laying on the horn and said, well, Sarah, you know, maybe they were just being kind. Like, she says, no, it wasn't that beep, beep. It was that, you know, it was the laying on the horn one, like, get going, lady. And you know what? You know, Tara was kind, you know, and some people would turn and what, you know, let them know how they feel about the horn being beeped at them. But we're not like that. We don't have that. We have a greater power. People think they're powerful when they're beeping their horn, and they think they're powerful when they're giving you a piece of their mind, and they think they're powerful when they're expressing their anger and frustration. That's not true power. True power is when we are in control of our words, and we're in control of our emotions, and we humble ourselves. You know what humility is? Humility is putting a pause to your human nature. And it's allowing God's nature to be revealed. That's what humility is. Humility is when I, I, I put a pause. I know what they're, they're beeping the horn, and I want to let them know, hang on, I'm just making sure, but you know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm going to humble myself and let them beat their horn and slow down for a minute. Because I know who I am. I know my human nature. I know my human nature will produce wrath. I know my human nature, if I allow it to act out, will produce sin that will bring greater trauma. But humility, humility, when I humble myself, I can bring peace to a situation. I can bring joy to where there's anxiety. I can bring life to where there is death around me. I love the story in Acts chapter 7. You know that story of Stephen. And Stephen was preaching in Acts chapter 7. And he had some things to say to the religious leaders that, didn't, that they didn't like. They didn't like what he had to say to them. And so they were coming to, and as he was speaking these words, and as he was declaring this truth, the Bible says that he looked up to heaven and he saw God. He saw Christ standing by the throne of God. And in that moment of him seeing God Almighty, and when he said that, when he made that declaration, and he said, look, there is Christ, look, and he's standing right next to the throne room of God. As he's making that amazing, powerful declaration, the Bible says that they began to grab their ears, and they couldn't believe what they were hearing, and they began to stone Stephen. The Bible says as they began to stone Stephen, what did Stephen do? He put a pause to his human nature. He humbled himself, and he said, Father, don't hold this sin against them. That is power. That is something, God, I pray that you're working in my life. I don't know if I'm there yet. I, I, and I wouldn't say I'm there yet. I'll say, God, keep helping me to be in that place that where people are literally trying to kill me for preaching the gospel, and I say, God, forgive them. That is humility. That's putting your nature on pause. That's telling yourself, self, I'm not going to let you act out right now. I'm not going to let you say what you want to say right now. I'm not going to let you do what you want to do right now. I'm going to let the nature of God, I'm going to let godliness come out of my life. I want to let godliness be revealed in me. And I believe with all my heart because in that moment in Acts in, in the book of Acts, as Stephen is being stowed, the Bible says that a man named Saul was there, who we know later to become, I mean, later become Paul. And I believe that had a tremendous impact 
on Saul's life who became Paul, that he saw this man, this man who was forgiving people as he was being, as he was being killed and murdered. And he offered forgiveness because he humbled himself. Humility is so important in our lives, and I pray that you will humble yourself. Well, this next story, as we come upon this, this next story, so Jesus, he just finishes telling the disciples to be like a child. Humble yourself like a child. And as soon as he finishes that story, the next story says this in, in Luke chapter 9, verse 49, right after Jesus is explaining humility, it, uh, verse 49 says, John said to Jesus, Master, we saw someone using your name to cast out demons, but we told him to stop because he isn't in our group. But Jesus said, don't stop him. Anyone who is not against you is for you. It's almost as if Jesus was teaching about humility, and he was saying, okay, now I'm going to show you what not to do. Because John in this moment was not exercising humility. John was doing the opposite of humility. I believe in, in this instance, John has a pride issue. It was a kind of a holy pride. There was a pride that was inside of him. And think about it again. He was just a fisherman. He was just an ordinary person. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes by and he says, follow me. And then Jesus begins to do great things. He begins to perform miracles. He begins to feed the 5,000. He's, he's walking in the miraculous. And I think John began to have some pride rise up within him like, Look at me now. I was a fisherman, but now I'm with the rabbi. I'm with one who is bringing healing to people's lives. And I'm with somebody who is somebody. I was a nobody, but now I'm a somebody. And I think there was some pride in John's life. And so when he sees this other individual using the name of Jesus, that pride led him to say, no, you can't do that. You're not in our group. You're not, you weren't chosen. I was chosen by Jesus. You weren't chosen. John was kind of full of himself. He had a pride issue. He wasn't, he wasn't being humble. He wasn't aware of who he was in Christ. He was more aware of who he was. I'm, I'm somebody and I have the authority to stop this person. And so sometimes in life, and this, this is what pride is, right? It's, it's an awareness of who you are, not who you are in Christ, but just who you are in life. Who am I in life? Look at what, look what I have accomplished. Look who I am. Look how strong I am. And look how rich I am. Or look how smart I am. Look what I have accomplished in life. I'm aware of who I am in life. And then there's this pride. And you can see that the two opposites of humility when I know who I am in Christ versus who, knowing who I am in life. And I was sharing with you last week how I had this brief discussion with God as I began to recognize, God, don't you realize I've been pastoring in Utah for 20 years? Look what I have accomplished. And I recognized that that wasn't something God wanted me to even think about because that's, that's the beginnings of pride where I began to think about, look what I've done. Look what I've accomplished. I've been at one church. And so when I realized that in my heart, I said, God, I gladly leave. 
Because I never want pride to be in my heart. I never want to look at myself and say, look what I've done. I just want to give God all the glory and all of the praise. And I think John was allowing pride to come up in his heart. Now, I want to share one practical application with you about a humble attitude. And it was an attitude that John didn't have. John had this attitude of us for and no more. God, you chose us. And one application to that is a desire that we should have to want to bring everybody to Christ. We should never want to hold anybody or stop anybody from following Jesus. Quite the opposite, right? And I don't think any of you are stopping anybody. I don't think that's the problem in your life today. But are we bringing people to Jesus? I believe in my heart, I, it's something I pray about and I think about, and I, and I want to encourage you today, we need to bring people to Jesus. And I say it that way because I don't change anybody. You can't change anybody. I don't change anybody's heart. I don't change anybody's life. But I can bring them to Jesus, and He's the one that changes them. He's the one that works in their life. But that is our privilege. That is our responsibility to bring people to Jesus. And I want to make mention again, when you go out into the lobby, you'll see there's some invite cards. One of them is to an event. There's a Franklin Graham event. And that's coming here to Joliet at the, um, where the NASCAR used to have their races down in, in Joliet Speedway on, on September 19th. And there's some invite cards. I was at the park with my daughter, and, I, I, and there was a gentleman there, and he was with his grandkids, and I saw he had these cards, and he was ready to hand me one. And so I just began to talk with him. And I was so encouraged by that. I said, he's doing something. He's doing something. And so take those cards with you. Invite somebody. And uh, maybe you can't go, but maybe they can go. I hope you can go. I plan on being a part of that event and just being a part of people coming to Jesus because I want people to come to Jesus. I want people to come to that women's event. There's a woman's invite card. Maybe you have a friend, a co-worker, a neighbor. You invite that lady. Hey, we've got a women's event. Would you want to come and, and be a part of that? Just giving you opportunities to lead people to Jesus. And maybe they won't even come to the women's event. But it's a conversation starter. Oh, yeah, oh, I didn't know you went to church. I didn't know you, you went there. And you can begin to share with them, well, I go there because God's changed my heart. He's changed my life. And I just want to share with you just simple things that start conversations. May God use us in this day and age when everybody's talking about the pandemic and everybody's talking about the crisis that America's facing. And they're talking about this view versus that view. Guess what? We have good news to share. We have something good to hear. We have something life-transforming. We have something that people need in their life. And may we be willing to share it. Now, John had a, a, a spiritual pride in his life. I just want to quickly share one of these applications. John was trying to control what was, was known as the ministry of Jesus. And he was taking upon himself to control it. And that's kind of a spiritual pride. And I want to share this with you, something that I experienced in my minute, early on in my ministry. Some of you may know, have heard the, uh, about the Brownsville revival that started in 1995. Some of you, for the first time, are hearing about it. But in Pensacola, Florida, at Brownsville Assembly of God, there was a great revival that broke out. And it spread throughout the America, throughout our nation. 
and lives were touched and lives were transformed. It's the reason why I actually went to Salt Lake to plant a church. My professor, who was well secure in his position, uh, experienced the presence of God through this great outpouring of revival, and his life was changed and transformed. And God spoke to him, and he says, I want you to go plant a church in Utah. And he left his comfortable position of being a professor at, a, at, the, at, at the flagship college of the Assemblies of God, and he left all of that to go plant the church in Utah. Nobody was planting churches in Utah. There had been, in the Assemblies of God, there had been two churches planted in one de- decade. You did not go and leave a secure position to plant a church in Utah. But God had such, so touched my professor's life, the Holy Spirit had come upon him and brought a transformation to his life that he went. So there was great things happening through this revival. But there was something that was happening. There was some negative things that were happening. Maybe you heard about them or maybe you were aware of them. I want to tell you, just give you one example of what was happening and how spiritual pride could come about. Now, one of the things that was happening that there was controversy over was during this revival that lasted for over a decade, as people were being prayed over, as people were seeking God, people were falling down. This became such a norm in these services that people, there were actually a position called catchers, that while you were praying for somebody, you had two people standing behind you, and they would catch you. And this was happening. Now, this was controversial with some people and some individuals. And I, 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 met, I share that what was happening. I saw it happen. And I share it because you had, this is what was happening. And let me first of all say this, that nowhere in the Bible does it say, if you fall down while you're praying, it is sin. Nowhere in the Bible. You can't find it. You won't be able to find it there. And nowhere in the Bible does it say, when you pray, you must fall down. And, and I'm giving you a point where I believe that where John was at. Because you had people in one camp that were looking at the others and saying, wow, you're not experiencing God like I'm experiencing God. I'm on a, I'm on a different level than you are. And you kind of had this spiritual pride. And then you had the other people looking at them thinking, well, you're too fanatical. You're too emotional. And what you're doing is not of God. Falling down is not of God. And you had these two groups of people. And... I began, as I was, I just was a youth pastor, and I was working through this process in my ministry, and, and I saw what was happening, and I began to kind of go on this side of things where I was wanting that to happen, like I wanted those expressions of the Holy Spirit, and if they didn't happen, there was a part of me that was like, well, maybe God wasn't here. But I quickly reconciled everything, and I, and I shared with you my reconciliation. It's, it's not right. One way wasn't better than the other. God was always moving. Whether somebody fell down or somebody didn't, it didn't matter. God was moving. And John was expressing this very issue that was taking place during this revival. It was a spiritual pride of somebody saying, you are not of God because God's not working in your life. And the other people saying, well, you're not of God because that's what's happening in your life. I just want you to know that humility causes us to want to include people. And I want you to know in my life, I look for opportunities and I look for areas of us working together. I look at how we can work together. Similarities. I look at a common cause. Whereas some people might look, well, this is where we're different. And because we're different, we can't work together. 
And I want to look at people and I say, well, no, this is where we are the same. We can work together. We can lock arms. We can, we can be a part of events like a Franklin Graham event. Franklin Graham is a part of a Baptist church. I'm not, a, I'm not a Baptist preacher, but I can support Baptist ministry because I can look at what he's doing and he's proclaiming the message of Jesus Christ. And so I look for opportunities to work together. I can humble myself before God. I can humble myself before other ministries that are not like my ministry. And I can say, how can I serve you? How can I help you? How can I love you? How can I build you up? I want us to be humble before God. Andy, you can join me up at the stage this morning. She's going to play on the keyboard. I want to end this service. I really want to end this with the idea of humility and being humble before God, not having spiritual pride, not controlling the work of God, not having a controlling spirit. Well, I'm going to tell you, this is what God's going to do in your life. And, or if, no, no, that's not what God's doing in your life. But it's a humble spirit that says, let's come to God together. Let's seek God together. Let's see what He's doing in my life. Let's see what He's going to do in your life. It's not a spiritual pride, but it's, it's humility. And I want to be humble before God in these last days because there's a lot of pride in our world today. There's a lot of pride that's bringing destruction to our country today. There's a lot of arguing and there's a lot of fighting and there's, there's, a, there's a spirit of pride in our world. And you and I are called to be humble. We don't want to act like John and say, hey, Jesus, we were stopping those people over there. They weren't acting like they should be acting, so we stopped them. No, 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 no. That's not our attitude. Our attitude is not to get mad at people. Our attitude is not to get confrontational. I'm not, a, I'm not about confronting people. God has, Jesus said it himself, I didn't come to condemn the world. I have come to save it. I've come to be a servant. I've come to serve. I've come to be a blessing. I've come to humble myself. I want to be humble. And I want to serve others. I want to love others. There's enough fighting out there. There's enough arguing out there. There's enough pointing of fingers out there. There's enough divisiveness out there. There's enough of people separating ourselves. We're called by God to come and bring people closer to us. That's our, that's our privilege. That's why you have the love of God. That's why we worship the Lord, so that God can inhabit our praises and that we can have a, a fragrance about our life that people want to come near. I want to come near to you. And I understand this about life. Not everybody's going to do it. And there is a message that we declare that some people, Jesus said, it will be offensive to some. Obviously, I get that. That's going to happen. But we do it in love. We don't do it in pride. We do it with humility. So if people are mad at us, it's not because we're angry. They can be mad at our humility. Absolutely, that could happen. They could be mad at our love. But I wanted us to end this service so that you'll re- not just be reminded all week long, but for the rest of your life to be humble. And I want us to kneel before God. Now, I know not everybody can kneel physically. I understand that. So no big deal if you can't kneel. But I'm going to, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to kneel. Kneeling is just symbolic of humility. Kneeling is saying, God, 
I give you control of my life. You've given me power. You've given me feet. You've given me to be able to move and to do things. But God, I'm going to kneel before you. I'm going to surrender. I'm going to humble myself before you. Our country needs people who are on their knees. Our country needs people who are humble. This city needs people who are going to come alongside and say, I know who I am in Christ, and I'm going to humble myself, and I'm going to let the power of God be revealed through me. I'm going to let the power of God come through my words, through my humility. So if you can this morning, I want us, we're just going to end. If you can kneel before God. And we're just going to pray and end this service praying, humbling ourselves before the Lord God Almighty, so that we would have this attitude, Lord, we humble ourselves before you, Jesus. We humble ourselves because we know who we are. We've been fearfully and wonderfully made. And we know, God, that you are great and greatly to be praised. So you've given us eyes to see. You've given us ears to hear. And we have seen and we have heard of your truth. And we know, oh God, that you are great and greatly to be praised. So we humble ourselves before you, Lord. We bow before you. We set aside our anger and frustrations, our fears and our doubts. And we humble ourselves before you. We say, God, reveal your glory through our life. As we humble ourselves this week at work, may you reveal your love through our life. May you reveal your patience through our life. May you reveal your kindness and your mercy and your grace through our words. Lord, our country is at war. There are so many issues at hand. So God, we just humble ourselves. We're not joining the right. We're not joining the left. But we want to join your spirit in humility and say, Lord, use us. So bless everyone here today with a spirit of humility in their homes, in their jobs, in their neighborhoods. Give them a spirit of humility, Lord. And we're not going to stop people. We're not going to be angry. We're not going to put up our fists, but we're going to bow our knees. We're going to serve your purposes. And I pray this all in the mighty name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you this week. Go in humility and be a blessing to others. Thank you for being here.